What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Uncensored Christian Podcast, where we help real people with real problems know the real God. Hey, if you enjoy this message, leave a rating and review. And if you would like to give to this ministry, there's a link in the description below. I hope you enjoy this message. Today, I want to hop straight into the word. I don't want to waste no time today. Jeremiah chapter one, starting in verse four. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. In other words, you were called before you were conceived. God knew what he was wanting to do with you before you were even thought of. And before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. How many of you know that God has called us all to something? God has called us all. Have y'all ever been called? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about being called by God. I'm talking about like, like in real life. Y'all ever been called before by someone on the phone? I remember when the iPhones first came out. And if y'all like Android, I'm sorry. But when the iPhones first came out, they had that classic green tone that would come through. It was like, that was my jam. I always had that ringtone. Um, but I think most of us in our life have been called before by people. We've been called. What's interesting, though, is that when you call someone, you only call who is important. You notice that? When you call somebody, you call someone because they're important. My wife will call me all the time. My wife loves to talk. She loves to talk. She'll call me all the time, any time of day, no matter what it is. There'll be times where she'll call me and it'll be something serious, right? She's like, oh my gosh, I need your help. I almost got in a wreck. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out because she'll call me. She'll call me for, for serious things. And then there's times where she'll call me for things. And I'm like, you couldn't have just waited. Like, I love you, girl, but you couldn't just, she'll call me at work and be like, oh my goodness. And she's crying. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I just saw the saddest video on YouTube. I'm like, girl, you calling me right now because you're crying about a YouTube video and I'm at work. But, but she'll call me. She'll call me for things that are significant and things that are insignificant. And she does this because to her, I'm important. So that must mean that if God has called you, you must have importance. If God has called you, you must have significance. If the father in heaven calls you by name, then you must be his child. See, I don't care if you're overlooked by people in your social circle. I don't care if you're passed up by the leaders at your job. If God has called you by name, then that must mean that you have importance. Mm. So it don't matter if you think you're unimportant. It don't matter if the world views you as insignificant because in God's eyes, you have importance. And so this, this scripture interests me because we're reading about Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, reading about Jeremiah. And what interests me is, is who God called. Because what we don't see in this, in this, this scripture here is that God is about to call Jeremiah to prophesy to Judah, his people. God is calling Jeremiah to prophesy to God's own people, telling them to turn away from their sins because if they don't, 
then God's going to have to handle them. So this is an important task. So you would think if God is going to call somebody to do something important, that it would be someone that is at least qualified. But look what, look what Jeremiah says right after this. He says, Oh, sovereign Lord, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. And the Lord replied, Don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. I love this because Jeremiah was disqualifying himself because he felt he was too young. And often what we view as an inadequacy, God sees as an opportunity. See, there's many things in my life that I feel like I'm not good enough, that I'm not qualified. And so there's gifts and abilities that I would rather just throw away because I don't think I can use them. And far too often in our lives, God wants to use what we would rather lose. And so I remember thinking when God had called me to start this podcast and start preaching, I thought, man, God, (laughs) you you crazy dog, because I felt just like Jeremiah here. I'm too young. I'm too young. I'm only 23 years old. You really think that that people who are upwards of twice to three times my age are going to listen to anything I'm saying? You really think that that my words and and what you're calling me to do is going to be able to help them? Like they're not going to want to listen to me to them. I'm a child. I'm too young. And I came to God with all of these concerns. I came, I came to God with all of these excuses. And in that moment, God gave me this word and I'm going to share it with you today. God said, do not let your concerns get in the way of your calling. Y'all ever make up a list of reasons as to why you can't do what God has called you to do? Like y'all ever come up with a list of excuses as as to why you're not capable or as to why it's just not a good time to do what God has called you to do? I did this when God called me to join a small group because the last thing I want to do is join a small group. And let me explain why. Let me explain why. When it comes to talking to people, I suck. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. I suck when it just comes on talking to people one-on-one. I never know what to say. I'm so bad at holding a conversation. After I get out, you know, how's the weather today? I'm, I'm done. That's it. <laughs> I've ran out of all the things I know to say. And it's so weird because I love speaking in front of people. I can speak in front of thousands. I once spoke in front of 14,000 people. No problem. I loved it. I would do it in a heartbeat. But you sit me down in front of one person to just hold a 10-minute conversation? And I'm done. I'm just not good at it. So when God called me to join a small group, I was thinking, man, God, I can't do this. Like, I ain't going to have no time. I I, I work too much. Ain't, ain't nobody going to be able to join the small group. I came up with all these excuses, all of these reasons as to why I can't do what God is wanting me to do. And it's so funny because a lot of these things that God calls us to do are things that we pray for. They're the things that we pray for. And you're thinking, I never prayed to be a part of this. I never prayed for God to do this for me. I can tell you right now, there's been so many times in my life where I'm sitting here going, God, I pray that you do your will in my life. That's not like anybody else. 
Anybody else pray that prayer? God, I pray that you do your will in my life. I don't care what it is, Lord. I submit to you. Do your will in my life. And so God decides to do his will. But when we see what we have to do to get to his promise, oftentimes we become reserved. We'll pray that God does his will in our finances. And so God's way of doing that is by taking us through a financial drought where we have to learn how to manage our money. So when we see what we have to go through, all of a sudden we want to run away from where God has us promised. We pray that God does a will, that we pray that God does his will in our marriage because the way that we've been doing it hasn't been working. And so God allows you to go through a rough patch so you two can grow closer together and hold on to each other. But oftentimes when we see the path that God wants us to take, we become reserved. And what God is just trying to get someone to see is that God is saying, if you will just give me your reservations, I'll handle them. Just give me your reservations. If you will just show up on time, if you'll just show up when I call you, I will make sure that your promise is fulfilled. I'll make sure that I use you in ways that you could not do on your own. If you will just give me your reservations and show up when I call you. Ooh, that's a word. That's a word. I feel this so strong in my spirit. Look at verse nine. Look at verse nine. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. How many of you know that if God calls you to do something, he will equip you with what you need to do it. He said, today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow and others you must build up and plant. There are some things in your life that if you want God to start working in, you must tear up and destroy in order for him to have room to build up and plant. Now, this is going to be hard because some of the things that God wants to uproot and tear down in your life are some of the things that you want to hold on to the most. But if you are not willing to let go of what God is trying to move out of your life, then he will not have room to build and plant things that are going to bring you more fruit than what you originally had. This is just like muscles, by the way. Y'all ever hit the gym? I know I'm talking about muscles and you're looking at me like, Dante, you weak. What you looking, what you talking about, bro? But when I went to the gym, it's interesting because when you work out and you pump an iron, you would think that your muscles just automatically grow. But what happens is when you put them under so much stress, the things in your muscle, the muscle fibers actually break down. They get tore down. And because of that, they're able to be built up. And so what happened is, is that God was calling Jeremiah to speak against Judah. God was calling Je Jeremiah to let them know the things that are about to be tore down and destroyed. And here's some of the things, because you're probably wondering, what is God trying to tear down Judah for? Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. The crisis in Judah was this. Judah started worshiping other gods. Eh, that's a bad one. They were sacrificing children. Eh, that's a really bad one. And they were taking advantage of those who were less fortunate, the widows, the poor, the immigrants. They were doing all of these things that they were not supposed to do. So since there was a crisis, someone had to be called. 
Since there was a crisis, someone had to be called. Since there was a crisis, someone had to be called because where there is a crisis, there is a calling. And right now we are dealing with the crisis. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of things going on, especially in this year of 2020, that could be considered a crisis between the health pandemics, between the, the racial injustice and the fighting between parties and, and so much diversity. There is a crisis going on right now in this season. And I want to get practical because some of you already know that God has called you to fight this crisis. Some of you already know. You just may need a little bit of courage. You just may need a little bit of a push to get going to where God has called you. But then there's some of us that we're sitting here going, I don't think God has called me. I've been searching, but I don't think God has called me. And what I challenge you to do, if you have not found your calling from God, is to take time to pray, take time to be in God's presence and pray that God reveals the calling that he has on your life because everybody has a calling. Because in a time like right now that is so different, God is calling each and every one of us to make a difference because there's a crisis. There's a crisis. There's a crisis. You know, I had this thought when I was preparing for this message. What if we're creating our crisis? You ever think about that? What if the crisis that God is calling us to control is our own? It's funny because oftentimes in our efforts to try and solve problems, sometimes we can make them worse. I'm so bad at this. If if there's someone that comes to me after they, they lost a loved one or they're in pain or they're hurting or something bad happened to them and they're sad and they're grieving... I'm so bad at knowing how to deal with it in my efforts sometimes to try and calm them, to try and give them peace. I sometimes say the wrong thing and it makes it worse. So now the crisis I'm trying to control is not the original one. It's the one I ended up creating. Isn't it funny though, how humans tend to have a tendency where in our effort to be happy, in our effort to provide in our effort to make our own way, we somehow can make things worse. Somehow can make things worse. So when I'm hearing about Judah's sins and I'm hearing about what these people are doing, my natural response is to just say, well, you know what? That was then and this is now. Like that was thousands of years ago. Thousands. So there's no way that we could be struggling with the same problems, right? Because I mean, I mean, they were struggling with having their priests and their kings and their prophets, you know, their leaders. They had problems with their leaders being corrupt and spreading false information. I mean, we there's no way we're struggling with that now. They were struggling with treating poor people and treating orphans and treating immigrants and those less fortunate. They, they struggle with treating them with passion and, and love and, and selflessness. I mean, there's no way that, that we're struggling with that now. They struggle with sexual immorality. <laughs> no, no, no. We don't struggle with that now. They, they struggle with worshiping idols. Okay. There's no way. There's no way we struggle with that now. Speaking about idols, 
it's funny because the Israelites in Exodus, when, you know, God had just led them out of slavery. I was reading this story and it, and it sparked my interest because it's talking about idols. And, and I want to go along this train of thought. It's so interesting because Moses went up to the mountain. God invited all the Israelites to come up to the mountain in his presence, but they were so scared of him because he was so large and magnificent and, and so unknown. They, they didn't know what to do with God. So they were scared. So they said, Moses, you go up. So Moses went up into God's presence on the mountain and he was up there for 40 days. And this is right after God freed them from slavery. So you would think that they had no problems trusting in God, but Moses was gone for 40 days and they started to have doubts of if he was coming back. And so in their effort to try and make a, a, a awkward, weird situation better, they decided to make an idol. They made a golden calf and they, they, they said it represented God. And this was so weird. So weird to me. Comes in there going, why make idols? Like, like that's something that, that I would never do. Like you don't see us worshiping idols today, right? I mean, I'd never, I'd never worship something over God. Like, like my phone, I'd never worship something over God. Like, like politicians and, and fighting on their behalf, even though that they're just human beings. I, I would never worship something over God. Like my job. It's funny because a lot of these things we find our identity in instead of finding our identity in God. But I want to go back to the idol because they made this idol and, and they didn't call it a separate God. They called it Yahweh, the same God that led them out of Egypt. They, they tried to make this idol representing God. And, and in this instance, they were domesticating God. They tried to tame God into something that was more manageable, like an idol, instead of something so raw and powerful, which is actually God's identity. And you know, it's easy to tame God. We're not supposed to, but it's easy for us to try and tame God by just taming him to a Sunday when we go and worship or trying to tame him to a building that, that we all gather in or trying to tame God into just a person that we run to when we need help. See, the problem that Judah faced, the problem that Israel faced, and the problem that we face today in our crisis is that the, that the problem time and time again is that they tried to boil God down to just another option. They tried to boil God down to just a plan B, a second choice, something that you run to when your first option, when your first goals, when your first dreams didn't work out. And how are you going to make God into your plan B, your second choice, when God is the first and the last, the alpha and the omega? See, I wonder what crisis could be avoided if we made God our plan A instead of our plan B? I wonder what would happen if instead of asking God to clean up our mess, we walked in his word so that we would be clean. And you would think that as human beings, we would have grown past these struggles because we're talking about struggles that have been going on for thousands and thousands of years. You would have thought that we would have been done lying because, you know, Adam and Eve lied to God when he asked them where they were. They hid from him. You would think that we would have been done. I mean, you know, Cain killed Abel 
thousands of years ago, you'd think that we'd be done with jealousy and anger and resentment. So my question to you is, what if the crisis that we're called to fight is self-created? Because, I mean, you notice how, how every time God called someone to handle a crisis, whether it was a prophet or someone to make an ark, every crisis that God called someone to was created by people. God had to call someone else to solve a crisis. He had to call Jesus because Jesus had to come down to earth and solve the crisis that humanity created, the crisis of sin, the crisis that, that we dug our hole so deep that we had no way of finding salvation. And so Jesus had to come and be a sacrifice to control our crisis. I want to, I want to go back real quick, just real quick. And I want to look. Back at verse six, when Jeremiah was saying, God, I'm too young. I can't do this. I'm too young. I'm not capable. When God said, don't say I'm too young because you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you and don't be afraid for I will be with you. This is going to help somebody today who feels that they are called to control a crisis, who feels like they are called to take the next step in, in bringing God's kingdom to earth. Look at this. Because Jeremiah was, was so uncertain of his own abilities. But you are first called to change, to not change others, but to change yourself. Because Jeremiah had some insecurities. He didn't think that he was capable. And Jeremiah had to first change who he put his trust in before God could use him. Because how can people put trust in you if you don't even know how to put your trust in God? And so when you put your trust in God, then you are able to start making a change in this crisis. And the change may be big or small. You may be called to preach to thousands of people and make impacts across the world, or you may, may be called to just reach your neighbor down the street. You may be called to just bring a smile to someone's face who was having a terrible day. But no matter what the size of your calling, remember this. You are called because to God, you are important. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your love. I thank you that in a crisis, that in a moment of need, that you have given us all the ability and you have given us all the call. Lord, I pray that you be with us every step of the way because we know that you do not call us to things that you do not give us the capabilities to do. And I pray that you continue to bring blessing into our life and help us be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Yo, I thank y'all so much for hanging out with me today. If you enjoyed the message, I pray that you share this with somebody who could use it. And I hope that y'all catch me next week. Peace out.